Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis of The Horn. Back here on the Sports Complex, hour two here on the Horn. We'll give it back and uh, talk a little bit more. Colin Simmons committing to Texas, the number one D end in the 2024 class. Commits to the University of Texas. We'll get into that. Uh, Quinn Ewers, Jalen Ford, talk to the media today. We have audio from that as well. We'll play you some of their sound bites. And uh, we're going to get into some things about the Aggies, about Stanford and Cal. In the UFC. All that coming up here in the hour two of the Sports Complex on the Horn. Remember, join the conversation. 512-337-3776 is the Specs text line. 512-337-3776. you want to follow me on Twitter or on X or on uh, Instagram, you can do that at It's Patrick Davis is where to follow me. Of course, the big story of the day for anybody following Texas, following college football, the number one DN recruit out of Duncanville for the 2024 class. Colin Simmons has committed to the University of Texas at the announcement today. We did have a texter that says he had, uh, I said he had LSU, Miami, then Texas. Apparently he picked up a Texas hat and put it back down to make everybody think he wasn't going to Texas and then pulled out another Texas hat. He was was being a showman, but he is already working on the recruiting trail. And uh, if you want to know what... Colin Simmons can mean better than I can say it. Mike Craven uh, joined E and Rod B this morning. Uh, they asked him about uh, kind of telling uh, telling people what Colin Simmons was about. Here's Mike Craven from E and Rod B this morning. Yeah, I mean, he's up there as a pure edge rusher. You know, I think one of the more interesting things about Duncanville and Galena Park North Shore is they play each other all the time. And so, you know, for 12, 13, 14 games out of the year, you know, those kids dominate. They don't see a lot of guys that, that are as equal as them. They'll see at the Power 5 level. And then at the 6A Division One State Championship game, you see, you know, North Shore and Duncanville go up against each other. You get previews of, of college matchups, and you can kind of start to identify which guys stand out even in those situations. And if you go back and you watch last year's state championship win for Duncanville, the first time they got one over uh, on North Shore, Colin Sims is unquestionably the best player on the field. And there's like 23 other FBS prospects out there. So uh, he's a really good football player who's played really high-level football. You know, at Duncanville, you're playing against, you know, a lot of future offensive linemen in, in the NFL. Um, a couple of that, you know, have been on the Texas roster right now. And so uh, he's tried and true. He's really good. He can get off the edge. He can do a little bit of everything for you. And I think if you look at Texas's roster, you know, that's probably the one spot where we're, we're kind of questioning what they have there. So uh, a big get if they're able to land him and, and a kid who can probably come in and be a pass rushing specialist pretty quickly. Pass Russian specialist. Love to hear that. Get to drinking some Kool-Aid about going to the SEC. Going to make the move to the SEC much easier uh, if you're a Texans fan. C.J. Stroud has completed his first pass in preseason. Nico Collins to completion. They've already got a first down. I promise I won't talk about too much more Texans today. But uh, big news. Colin Simmons, the one, the five-star, number one uh, defensive end recruit in the 2024 class, has committed to Texas today. 
Uh, so that is very big news. Uh, very exciting to see. And a big piece of when you move to the SEC, you got to have a pass rush in the SEC. And adding Colin Simmons to that is going to help Texas have that and, and could be one of those impact players uh, that we've talked about throughout the, the offseason that, you know, Texas is getting some big guys that may be able to have some bigger roles early on. And you don't necessarily expect that uh, from a team that has had some success already. But basically, anyone who's in there, if you can play, Sark may put you on the field. Uh, I do want to get, we have some audio from uh, Quinn Ewers and Jalen Ford. Met with the media today. Uh, got to ask some questions. We have some of this room, some of this audio. And uh, I want to start off with Quinn Ewers. Uh, we know Quinn Ewers is not always the best interview. Uh, he means well. He's got his new haircut. He's got his fade. His fade that I I wouldn't recommend for a lot of people. I think he may go back to the haircut he got after the mullet. But, yeah, he, he basically said uh, it's too hot. It is too hot in Austin, Texas, so I cut off all my hair. I get that. He's wearing a helmet. I get that. Uh, but I want to talk about Quinn Ewers. And one of the things that kind of was a narrative throughout his media availability today was – how much better he knew the playbook, which you can't say last year, hey, I'm not really familiar with the plays and I'm having trouble with that. Here's Quinn Ewers on the biggest difference between last year at this time and this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, Mainly just the knowledge of the offense. Um, Because this year, this time last year, I was still, you know, trying to, to pick up you know, the offense and certain checks and whatnot and stuff like that. And this year it's kind of – I can just kind of be more me and, and play more freely. Um, and, you know, not have to think as much about, you know, what, what does this guy have? It just automatically clicks, which is, which is huge for my position because I can, you know, focus more on fronts and keeping myself protected. There you go. Just knowing the playbook, knowing, hey, man, okay, I can kind of read things a little bit better. Huge, huge for Quinn Ewers. And I'm glad he can say – Hey, I, I didn't know that as much last year, and it was a work in progress all season. I've now had this all season to go and sit through and work on this. I think that's a big step forward. And he was asked then about, okay, well, if you're a leader, if you're this guy and you, you now know the playbook, how has it been being a leader when you know the playbook now and you may be teaching other people that playbook? Yeah, it's definitely a lot easier, um, especially – Whenever you're filling into kind of a leadership role, you know, people will look at you a little differently whenever you're telling them what to do and, and whatnot. And it, it's cool, honestly. You know, football is a cool game. Um, you know, I kind of like to call it the quarterback. You're like a quarterback kind of feel like, you know, I'm playing like a more maybe violent, you know, more active chess kind of. So, you know, I'm trying to, trying to beat the defense with, with certain moves. A more violent, more active chess. I like it. I like that he, the quarterback is thinking that he's playing a more violent chess, and he is trying to play it. Uh, he does say later in the interview that he does not play chess, but he is playing chess on the football field is what he is trying to do. I, I love it. I love that he is going for that. And he talks more about his leadership role now, too, because we know that Quinn Ewers last year was somebody coming in, and he had all the expectations in the world but that doesn't necessarily make you a leader off the bat. We talked about it earlier with C.J. Stroud about what he has to do of coming in into the NFL locker room and being a leader. Here's Quinn Ewers talking about his new leadership role on this Texas team. Yeah, I mean, like kind of like what he was asking over here, I'm, I'm kind of more able to – I'm more comfortable, um, you know, in my skin, and I'm able to tell people kind of what to do and, 
because ultimately, um, you know, I'm around and I'm, we're guys who, who knows what it's supposed to look like. And, you know, I, th I feel like we're really bought in this year. Um, and I think that goes all the way back to how we treated this offseason in the winter and in the summer. I think, you know, this offseason, I mean, it, it was an offseason and it didn't really feel like an offseason. I think we kind of attacked it like it was a normal season, like, like it was football season. Like we, we attacked it with, with the right mindset. I love that. I love that. We didn't really – it wasn't even – didn't seem like an offseason because we were working so hard basically throughout that offseason. That's a great thing to hear from your quarterback, uh, to hear him as a leader that he's at all these practices. He's trying to lead the way. You want to hear that because you are far behind because we've talked about it, that the standard has to raise for Texas. The standard has to raise. It has to reset to what it was 20 years ago. That's where you need to reset or 15 years ago, let's say. You need to reset it to when you're in the, the national championship game with Colt McCoy. You need to reset to that standard. And to do that, you need to, you need to work in the offseason like you need, it, you need more time because you don't have the time to say, well, we can work through the last three coaches. You need to push that. So he goes through all the leadership, but then we talk about just playing on the field. And he talks about throwing the deep ball. And what is this change in – philosophy on throwing the deep ball when we know Sark's going to want to throw it all the time. Yeah, I think um, I've learned to not try to be as perfect and just, just give our guys a chance, you know, because with the, with the athletes we have at receiver, if you give them a chance, I mean, eight out of ten times, seven out of ten times, they're going to come down with it. So just give them a chance. It doesn't have to be the perfect ball every single time. That's, that's really what I was trying to focus on. Doesn't have to be the perfect ball every time. Give him a chance. It's a different philosophy. It's a good one to have, uh, depending on what your idea of giving him a chance is. But it's about reading the defense and giving him a chance. And those are the two things. So when he talks about knowing the playbook, he talks about being able to read defenses. He's able to talk about knowing how to give a wide receiver a chance. He can talk about this. All three things need to be put together, though, because you need to be able to go out there, read the defense, you need to be able to put the ball where you need to put it. But you need to be able to not make – you need to be able to do all those things in time. You need to be able to do what you're doing in practice when there's actually guys trying to kill you. Because right now, you get to wear the shirt. You get to wear the jersey that says, don't touch me. You get to wear the don't touch me jersey. And you get away with a little bit more. It's when you have some guys – when you have a really good receiving core – you can have it a little bit more of, okay, I need to figure out where the safety is, where the cornerback is, and hopefully we're going to have them spread out enough because we got a JT Sanders, because we have uh, uh, Jordan Whittington pulling people inside. We have an A.D. Mitchell on a long route. We have a Jontae Cook coming out there and running a different route. So maybe Xavier Worthy can get open, and I can put the ball up there where I don't have to put it. If he's step-in-step step with the cornerback and the cornerback's looking at him, he's able to make a move and you're able to watch Xavier Worthy make a play on the ball. I like that philosophy. It only works, though, if you can read the defense and you can read where the safeties are and where the other cornerbacks are and know where you're putting the ball up. Those types of things for the deep ball you have to be able to do. He's talked about that enough, though. So that is the hope that he can get there. And he talks about reading coverages and, and picking up different formations and stuff like that from defenses. Here's him when someone asked him what was a play where it kind of stuck out to him in practice about what he's been doing and, and his improvement and being able to read the defenses. 
Yeah, um, I would say I would say it was today. We had a we were in a a tight end set. Um, he was attached, and you know I, I saw double outside pressure, and then I checked the protection and was able to get a completion. And, I mean, sometimes checking a checking a checking a protection, it's almost better than throwing a touchdown pass sometimes. But that is somebody who sounds like they have thrown a lot of touchdown passes and not checked down a lot of protections. That's what that sounds like. Somebody's like, oh, this is a new thing I get to do. But you need to see that progression. So while it may seem you go, well, yeah, you should have been doing this before. This is good coaching to get him to be ready for the next season, to get him go, and now it's to see if he can do it in game speed. I do want to play one more from yours uh, because we talked a lot about the running back in Texas, and we talked about C.J. Baxter and what he's going to be able to do to be an elite back uh, but Jonathan Brooks is projected to be your starting running back. Uh, he did have some good carries last year. Uh, he had that big 70-yarder in Kansas. Here's uh, Quinn Ewers talking about Jonathan Brooks with his media availability today. He's a great player. I mean, obviously he sat behind, um, you know, Bijan and Roshan last year and the years before. But, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a fresh running back. I mean, he's, he had some, some issues, but... You know, he hadn't taken a whole lot of hits. Um, and I've seen a guy who just wants to play football, you know, just wants to be on the field with his guys and, you know, contribute to this team. Um, he's super bought in. I'm, I'm fired up for him. How would you describe his running style? Man, he's got it all. He's got, he's got big old legs. He can, he can run through people, but, you know, he's also elusive in the open field and he can catch passes. I mean, he's just an all-around back. There you go. There's just a little bit more Kool-Aid about Jonathan Brooks and how comfortable Quinn Ewers is feeling with Jonathan Brooks. You need to have the comfort with your quarterback if you want to get all the snaps at running back. We know Keelan Robinson is going to get in there. Uh, he got in there uh, for a good amount. I think he was the fifth leading right, uh, receiver for the, the Longhorns last year uh, out of the backfield. So we know that Keelan Robinson is going to get some. We expect C.J. Baxter to come in and make some impact. But it, this is Jonathan Brooks' job to lose. This is his job to lose. So if he can come in and play like that and continue to move the chains, that is going to be a big move for Jonathan Brooks. Jalen Ford also speaking with the media today. Jalen Ford is one that maybe gives us a little bit of sound bites. Uh, he, he is ready to talk to the media. Uh, and he wanted to talk. They asked him about, you know, if he wanted to go play for the – if he was, you know, trying for the Buckets Award. He said, of course I am. They asked him about his motivation. And what's your motivation? You had a really good year last year. What's your motivation to come back and do it again this year? Uh, motivation, um, you know, my motivation, um, as humble as I could be, is just telling myself every day that I wake up, I'm the best linebacker in the country. Um, you know, and coming out here and taking those steps, and you know, at, at the end of the day or at the end of practice, you know, I have to um, kind of you know reflect upon myself, like, did I practice, like, you know. As the, you know, did I practice um, being the best linebacker in the country or, uh, you know, whether it's individual drills, whether it's a team period, whether it's, you know, special teams or how I encourage the younger guys, all those things kind of just, you know, me being the best version of myself that I can be. There you go. You got to love the motivation for Jalen Ford is humbly. I'm one of the best linebackers in the country and I want to prove it every day. Humbly. That's how you see that's those are the great players. Hey man, I get it, and I don't want to sound like I'm coming off as a guy who says that I'm the greatest, but I'm the greatest. So let's just keep that in mind. You can ask me a question. Hey, you want to ask me, am I going for the buckets? Of course I am. Because I think I'm the best 
the best linebacker here. And then they asked him about, well, was it hard to make the decision to come back? If you say you think you're the, one of the best linebackers in college football, you know, then that means that you think you're probably going to go to the NFL. You know, clearly there were scouts that wanted you out there. What's your reason? Why did you stay? Here's Jalen Ford talking to the media today about why he stayed at Texas after the season he had. Uh, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was tough. I think I just was so focused on football, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, I never really, uh, I'm the type of guy, I just like to play football, man. And it's like all that other stuff is like, it'll come when it comes. And so, you know, the pressure, the pressure wasn't really getting to me. I think it was just like, I needed to make a decision. And I thought it's, uh, you know, a lot, I talked to a lot of people and the biggest, like, you know, the biggest thought that I got out of that was just, it was a win-win situation and to just follow my heart. So, you know, um, I mean, I guess I could tell you all that now, but pretty much the majority, even like during the Alamo Bowl, my heart was always to come back just because uh, I wanted to finish off. You know, I felt like I had a great year, um, but I was just getting started, honestly, and, um, you know, unleashing my potential. And, you know, uh, like he said earlier, uh, last year I was a kind of unknown guy, and now it's like uh, everybody, you know, is, has their eyes on me. So now it's like my motivation is to prove everyone right now. So, Woo! Man, I love that. My, my motivation is to prove everybody right now. I had to prove them wrong last year. I'm going to prove them right. But he says he knew pretty much at the Alamo Bowl. Hey, man, I, I'm just getting started. I want to be a legend. I, you have to love that this is one of the guys leading your defense, that somebody can come out and say, no, no, I knew I was pretty much – I get the money was there, but it was never really about money. It's about me and how well I can play. That is somebody that you want leading your team. That's somebody you want fighting for you every play. Jalen Ford – is somebody that you were just going to love watching this season. Somebody you used to love watching that has been hanging out with the team. Derek Johnson was hanging out with the Longhorns. And Jalen Ford talks about how his the impact of Derek Johnson coming around when you as a when you get to go with a a bona fide NFL star player who was before his time in the NFL, but it, you know can come in and teach the guys today so many things and and progress their you know their years. By helping him out, and for Jalen Ford, it is a huge impact to have a guy like Derek Johnson come in and talk to him. Jalen Ford talked to the media today about Derek Johnson helping out and showing him some stuff on the team. DJ has actually kind of given us a lot of uh, a lot of cues and like you know things he picked up, and he always tells us you know he didn't he didn't pick it up when he was our age, but like he picked it up along the way you know and having the success he had in his career, and I think just him being able to give it to us now is huge for us, and you know him you know he's always. Uh, um, in there, you know, uh, helping us, giving us cues. Uh, he's watching our film, coming back to us, telling us, like, that we could do this better, we could do that better. Um, and I think it's really been a huge um, bonus to have him. Uh, kind of. Yeah, the, the, I know to come around and punch it. Yeah, I know I'm trying to, I'm trying to perfect it. Yeah. How's it going? It's going pretty good, yeah. Man, if Jalen Ford can get that come around punch out, if you can get some of those turnovers. I know PK talked about that some earlier this week. Last week he talked about – you know, trying to improve the turnovers for the Texas Longhorns. Love that. Love that. If you get that in there and get Derek Johnson, you can get Jalen Ford playing that level. Then he is going to win the Buckus Award. He's going to be a great draft pick. We know all those things. It's great to everything that Jalen Ford, he's one of those guys that you listen to and it just gets you pumped up for the season. Uh, I do. He did also say what kind of, what he saw for Texas, what he saw from practice so far that he would say, you know, he wasn't necessarily expecting 
from this Texas offense or this Texas defense, what position that he thinks is going to step up? One thing I say, just uh, the pressure that our interior can create. You know, we got guys like Sweat, Murph, um, AC, Vernon. Those guys have been really showing up so far for us in camp. Um, and just the ability for them to hold doubles and, you know, clog up all the gaps in the, in the interior and kind of make the runs bounce outside. It's just been um, something that we've seen a lot. And it's not a bad thing, you know, it's just something as a linebacker, you have to play off them. So when you see things like that, do you pick it up and you kind of, you know, uh, go with it and, you know, start to learn how to play uh, looking forward uh, into the season. So Jalen Ford saying, hey, man, our, our interior D line is playing at a level that then as a linebacker, I can sit back and say, man, maybe maybe the pressure they're getting inside means I can come in on the inside, maybe I can come on the outside. Maybe the way I'm thinking about how this defense is going to react and where I need to be on the field may be different. You know, there's still hope that Gary Patterson could come back and be part of this organization somehow and, and help you out because we know that he definitely helped out a lot last season with game planning for the Big 12. We know that PK took a massive step forward in year two. And at Texas, historically, usually the guys who, who really blow it don't have a great – they start off really well. And then it goes downhill once people figure it out. PK seems on a somewhat different trajectory that he is, he is aiming forward and he is, he's progressed last year. If he can get progress again as a defensive play caller and defensive coach this year and make that defense at another level to make up for some of the – you know, the three and outs you're going to have and some of the plays where, you know, maybe you, you have a turnover or something because you're going to be trying to throw the ball more on an offense without Bijan Robinson. You know, you may have another fumble or two. It's just a reality of what could happen at Texas this year when you lose Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. I know Bijan had a costly turnover in a game. I know that. But in the whole, Bijan Robinson was not a fumble prone running back. Neither is Roshan Johnson. So if we say both of those guys are, are you know, not really causing you a lot of turnovers. You're going to try and put the offense more on Quinn Ewers' shoulders. You're going to try and you're going to have young running backs in Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter and Jaden Blue. And can those guys go protect the ball? And if they don't, and maybe you get in some situations that are not favorable, is your defense going to be able to play at the level to keep you in these games and then allow Sark to blow and put and push it away? Are you going to be able to build big enough leads? I mean, hell, we've seen Texas – you know, get 15, two touchdown leads and they're not enough. Are you going to be able to play good enough defense to go, hey, man, we held them to 10 and you put up 40. All right. We got a 30-point lead going into a fourth quarter. Hopefully we won't blow this one. Because that really, at the end of the day, is what it comes down to. Is Are you able to play well for four quarters? And if you aren't in some of those games, are you going to be able to play well enough in the first three that the fourth quarter, it's already said and done? That's That's – I mean, that's a real somewhat of a problem and solution for Texas. I don't want it to be that way, but if that's the way it's got to be, if Sarka's going to have to try and run people out of the building, that's not the best way to coach. That seems like a flawed way to do it. But if that's the way you got to do it because you know you're one of your biggest weaknesses as a play caller and as a coach is play calling and adjusting in the fourth quarter, then you need to try and rack up the score as much as you can. You need the defense to try and hold them as much as they can before you slip into a prevent defense and let them put up 14 to 21 on you. Hearing the players today, it was great to hear the amount of respect and leadership, the work that these teams have put in. 
and it just gives you a little bit more Kool-Aid, but we are definitely getting to the time where it's about to be put up or shut up time. That's what's really getting exciting. So as much as this is exciting on this end, as much as it's exciting to get Colin Simmons, it's much more exciting that we're getting closer and closer to actual football. And I can't wait. We come back. We got some stories that we were not able to get to in the rest of the show. We'll keep reading your text on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. Tell us what you think there. Join the conversation, 512-337-3776. We'll be right back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn, 1019 AM 1260. Horn app, hornfm.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Smoking Joe Fraser, the Hellraiser, raising hell with the flavor, terrorize the jam like troops in Pakistan. Back on the sports complex here on the horn. Got about 30 minutes left in our show. Just, you know what? I missed playing random stuff on the air and freaking out Harge and Rod. Today I got to play D'Angelo and Wu-Tang Clan. So, you know, it makes it, it feels good. We're playing for our debut week. We've been playing songs of uh, great debut singles from some of the biggest bands in the world. And Wu-Tang Clan, debut single, Protect Your Neck. Oh, it's great stuff. Good stuff. We go from Wu-Tang Clan to College Station. I don't know if there is any further reach than the Wu-Tang Clan to College Station. There's probably one, but I don't know what it is. Uh, The news came out today that the Aggies have uh, suspended uh, the 12th Man Plus Fund. Uh, it is uh, part of a narrative that is going around college football right now that uh, many of these uh, NI this is basically their NIL charity charitable program that the Aggies had, uh, similar to the Texas One Fund. Not the same thing as the Texas One Fund, but similar. And both of the Texas One Fund and the Twelfth Man Plus Fund uh, were five hundred one c threes, basically tax deductible charitable organizations. And the IRS uh, basically has given. Uh, everybody has given all, all these charitable organizations. They had the paperwork. They had everything filled out. They seemed on the up and up. Everybody was pretty happy about it. And then as time went on, people started to get reports, and they were seeing guys driving around in nice cars. And they went, well, this money – so the guy's talking about the charity work, but he, the post isn't about the charity work. He's posting that he's just in this car that he bought with the money that he got from this charity. And it becomes – you know, optically not great. And so you have to be able to do enough actual charity work to be able to feel that you can go to the IRS and not have a problem being a 501c3. So far, the Texas One Fund has not done anything. The Texas One Fund, we know, does a lot of charitable organizations, helps out a lot in the city of Austin. I think it would make sense that in a city 
a bigger city like Austin, it is easier to do more public activities with your players, to be able to do camps and to be able to do things for the Texas One Fund and help out the community more than a college station that is a college town. And it's not a shot at college station. It's like any college town where there is a community around it, but the, the central economy of the city is basically the college, whereas in Austin, the central economy of Austin is not University of Texas. So you can spread out the wealth a little bit more. So I, I don't know if Texas One Fund, I'm sure they are meeting about this, but this was basically a letter sent out by the IRS to all of these, because uh, it's not just Texas and Texas A&M who do it. Texas and Texas A&M just raise some of the most money out of anybody else. And so those are guys getting the biggest tax breaks is how much money you can raise on those. So it is something to watch for going forward to Texas. I know there's there was already talk of the, the state laws, where the state laws basically say you can do whatever you want. This isn't the state laws. This is the IRS. And if anybody knows, that's the one thing you don't mess with. You, you can mess around with the police. You can mess around with, with government, national. You can mess around with the federal government. But if you go after the IRS, they're coming for you. So there, this becomes something for the Aggies now. Are you able to continue to get? Now, your, most of your money for Texas and for the Aggies is going to be bigger donors. However, to have the smaller donors be able to put the money in and make it tax exempt and to be able to help out their tax situations is great. So it is something that is is an interesting point of where college football and the NIL marketplace is going to go is how many of these are going to be able to stay. Is Texas A&M going to be able to get back up? Is this going to hurt the recruiting when Texas comes to the SEC? Well, let's continue to... To, to piss off Aggies fans, that's what we're hoping in Texas, right? So it is a uh, it's a interesting world of how you find the uh, loopholes in or not even loopholes, how you find the way to put uh, the phrasing and how how much money do you funnel to the players and are making sure the players. I know that's one of the hardest parts of any of these NIL initiatives, and anybody who's paying NIL is trying to get the players who you give, you give the money to because that's kind of the deal, and then go, oh, by the way, you need to come do this event. And they go, oh, well, no, you already gave me the money, so I'm good. I don't necessarily go to the event. Texas has been pretty good about trying to get players to do that and putting people in place to do it. One of the reasons why they did the Texas One Fund is that it was becoming harder to do it, and the Texas One Fund made it a little bit more centralized to get everybody on the same page and make it easier to do that. It is something to watch for in the coming weeks. Uh, another new story coming out. Uh, that Stanford and Cal to the ACC has hit a major roadblock. Now, there's been roadblocks before. We, you know, the the Pac-12 was going to be just fine and then tell Colorado leaves, and then they're going to be just fine, and you all wait until, you know, I'll believe when I see it, and then we see Oregon and Washington, they bounce, which means Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, all they all decide to bounce, and they go back, and now the Pac-12 is dying. We talked a lot about it yesterday about Washington State just, oh, maybe we can salvage it. And, and this is the thing for Stanford and Cal. You know, Stanford and Cal is the, are the only programs left there. Washington State and Oregon State don't matter. I mean, they and I don't, I don't want to be, to, you know, that cut and dry about it. But if we're talking about TV rights and media deals, Washington State and, and Oregon State do not matter to any major broadcaster of, man, this is going to bring us in tons of dollars. That They're not doing it. Now, Stanford... Yes. Cal, yes. Stanford's academic ability, and Cal has it to an extent, could help out a conference. 
improve. Uh, Notre Dame, one of the reasons they said they would, they were really interested in bringing in a Stanford and a Cal to the Big Ten, which we know Notre Dame as football is an independent, but as their other sports are not independent, they are in the Big Ten or in the ACC, excuse me. And the ACC, they say, well, you know, with all this, with all this talk about academics not mattering in college sports. And the future of college sports just not is about money and not education, which is the way it's going. That's the way it's going to be. So I get they want to fight that because, you know, that means you got to pay the, the football players more. And by the way, if if you did not, if you were able to in 2023 start your own football league based off of, but with college and split it off and not have to pay the players, it would have already been done. They would have already done it. And, and the problem is, Hey man, we got to pay the players, and we have to get insurance, and we have to do follow all these rules. Now we have to have a CBA. It becomes a much bigger problem. So that that's the reason they don't. It's because the, the system is already set up for the people who are running it to succeed and to to profit very much. So if you look at it that way, I get why Notre Dame says, "Hey, you know, we're trying to keep up appearances, and adding a Stanford and a Cal makes the ACC's academic numbers, where we have UNC, who clearly doesn't care about their athletes going to school. We saw that report come out a few years ago, and the NCAA didn't care. We can bring these guys in, and these guys are going to be able to help us raise our academic standards. They say, yeah, but we also don't want to share the money because we're already way behind the SEC and the Big Ten, and now the Big 12 are behind them. And you want us to split up our money even more? And we have a deal till 2036? We can't split this deal up, and that's where the roadblock has come in. That basically all these smaller schools that need this money really bad, they need the profit share, they need that sharing, they're not as worried about that. They're the schools that, you know, Florida State wants to leave behind. They're the schools that some that Clemson or somebody else may want to leave behind and go, let's get the hell out of this ACC. Our, our money deal sucks. Our, our TV deal sucks. Let's go get. Let's go somewhere else. Those are the schools that are keeping it from bringing a Stanford and a Cal. In all reality, the ACC, if you want to run it like a real organization, I know you can't do this fully, but kick two of these schools out. Go have fun. If you want to run this like a business, the way it's going to go, that's what you need to do. But the problem is now you have to fly across, and we know Stanford and Cal didn't want to do that. I think the reality of the situation is going to be Stanford and Cal and Oregon and Washington State Oregon State and Washington State are probably all going to end up in the Mountain West, and the Mountain West is going to try and build a bigger brand and be one of the biggest uh, group of five schools, which I don't know if you're a group of six. Like, I don't know how that works because we keep playing Power Five, but if Pac-12 is gone, does, does, does the group of five, does Mountain West try and absorb them and then maybe try and pretend that they're going to be a Power Five and try and be the lowest Power Five? Is that what could happen? Because Mountain West is over there. They they're the school they're the friend, they're the conference that could pull it off. Do they have the leadership? I don't know who's running the Mountain West. We know George Klyovkov killed the Pac-12, so get him out of there. But that's something to be a look at as well. Do do you try and merge with the Mountain West with the Pac-12 and basically kick out George Klyovkov? And you may still call it the Pac-12 because the history is there. And you basically go to the TV deal and go, hey, we don't have a TV deal. We'll take the Mountain West TV deal, but we're calling it the Pac-12 now. That TV deal you have is going to be great, and then in a couple of years we'll renegotiate it and we'll get a really good deal. But we'll, we'll keep our trying to be a Power 5. We'll keep that facade that we are a Power 5 instead of a group of five school. Uh, that may be where it has to go. Is you, you, know, you screwed up. You didn't want to match with the Big 12. You said, kick rocks, Big 12, and they went off and, and helped kill you.
But the Mountain West may be the conference to go. I don't know the other conference that you're going to find that has the players and the money and the talent to be able to add you and be in that area and make sense financially. I don't know the one. But Mountain West may be it if the ACC is not the case. Now, the ACC may still be the case. I don't think the Big Ten's going to come calling. I know they if the Big Ten comes calling, they're not going to offer the money that Stanford wants either or Cal wants either. They may end up doing it. The Big Ten may say, you know what? You're not getting a full share. We'll give you a, a prorated share for coming in. But if that's not the case, Stanford and Cal, man, for being academically advanced schools, you seem really stupid right now. I know, I know you're, you're probably saying, well, what does it matter? There's sports. It matters. It's millions of dollars. You should have thought of this. should have gone, gotten someone from a business school to come in and say, hey, by the way, the future of football is this. The future of making money in collegiate sports is this. You need to go jump on that because right now I don't know where you end up. Uh, one more story we'll get to before we get to last call. Uh, a court, a judge has approved and upped the level of a case against the UFC by several of the fighters who have fought with the uh, UFC for years now. He has upped it to a class suit. So it's not a class action, but it's a class suit allowing many more fighters who have fought till I believe 2017 uh, to jump on basically claiming that the UFC is a monopoly and they have used their market share to keep other businesses down and to fight uh, TV deals for other places and places where somebody it's where fighters may get a more fair shake that they're keeping the they have basically cornered the market on this and are not paying a fair wage to their workers. This is the basic principle of this lawsuit. Uh, the it could possibly be over a billion dollar settlement if this is how it goes. This is still going to take several more years. But it is something interesting to watch because we've seen it with Francis Ngannou going to start his own group, which he calls the gimmick group, which I love his gimmick fighting promotion because uh, Dana White said, yeah, you know what, I don't do gimmick fights. He also said he wanted to do Elon Musk and, and Mark Zuckerberg. So the guy talks out of both, hand, both sides of his mouth. He also said that anybody who is any domestic violence needs to be punished for early. Then he hits his wife on a camera and doesn't do anything. He just apologizes. He talks out of both sides of his mouth. I'm not a huge Dana White fan. Let's put that out. But I get why these people in the U.S. are in the UFC are, are they're, why they why they're fighting for it because they're the running backs of of professional sports. And I know running backs are the running backs of professional sports, but we will put them as they're in that category of people whose basic their what they do to their bodies destroys their body for years. They get all the brain injuries, everything you get for it. They, you know, you you take years off your life of the training of the fights. And they know, well, we can basically hold this carrot out in front of you just long enough that we're able to make all of this money off of you. And right when you get there big enough, we know we can let you go. And the main part of your domain time where you could have cashed in, we've already used. We've already used your prime. And we have you under contract, and we'll hold you up in court, and we're going to screw you because we know we can do it. And so you'd love to see some resolution out of this where the fighters get paid a little bit better. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Dana White understands that there's always going to be guys behind that really want the position, and he understands that it's what UFC does better than any of those other promotions is promote. 
they are great at building up these fighters to be something very special. And I think he knows that. So he is not necessarily worried about getting the best fighters in the world because Conor McGregor, it's fine. I, I don't need him. To, and you know what? He can go fight for someone else. And what's everybody going to say? That was a great UFC fight. And when Francis Ngannou fights, that's why these guys also want to do boxing instead of MMA. Because they know if you do any MMA, it's UFC. But if you box, it's not even it's not UFC. But any MMA it, to the mainstream audience is going to be UFC. And the UFC will profit. And they know that. So we'll hope that there's more to this story. But in reality, I, I, I don't know if I'll still be on the air when this story happens. <laughs> That's It could be several years until this happens. So... Uh, I, I mean, it, it's a lot of fun to look at right now. It's, you know, anytime you're going to make Dana White angry, anytime you get to piss off Dana White, I'm a big fan of. Again, I'm not a huge fan of Dana White. Somewhat of a hypocrite, in my opinion. Makes a lot of money for other people beating the crap out of each other. And he's just kind of the, the jerk who doesn't mind being the jerk. So, hopefully, there will be some settlement and we may have the end of that era and and, you know, they'll pay him, you know, slightly more to get long-term brain damage. We're going to come back with last call here on Sports Complex. Uh, if you have anything you want us to plug coming up tonight, hit us up for the last call. 512-337-3776 is on the Specs text line. If you've got an event happening tonight, a show you we should need to check out online, or uh, just a, a game we need to watch, what series is good, and uh, what's happening around town. Hit us up, 512-337-3776. We'll be right back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn. The Sports Complex on the Horn. Last call. So either hook up now or go home and take care of yourselves. To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. That's what I do. I drink. And I know things. Bring a pitcher of beer every seven minutes till somebody passes out. And then bring one every ten minutes. I'm very drunk. And I intend getting still drunker before the evening's over. Wrapping things up here on the Swords Complex on a Thursday. You know what? We'll just say C.J. Stroud. Completion. His first uh, was a completion. And we'll leave it at that until we get into it tomorrow. But uh, not necessarily the best start for the Texans. What do you expect? It's going to be a long year going to be a long year trying to be back as Texans fan. Time for last call here on the Sports Complex. A couple of picks for you. Of course, Texans Patriots right now. If you don't know what channel it's on, it is on your local KVU affiliate, wherever that is. Whether you have the uh, actual uh, you know, if you have cable or if you have just the rabbit ears, you can watch the Texans playing right now. They are playing till 9 o'clock and then later tonight you will have Vikings and Seahawks on NFL Network. A couple shows to check out. Moving Panoramas are at Hotel Vegas. And the waters are at the Pershing. Tomorrow we'll have a 512 Friday promote some more local music. May have a guest on talking about a big show this weekend. And we'll get into a lot more great sports content here on the Sports Complex. Uh, thank you, everybody who played along for us on the Specs Tech Sign. Follow me on social media at It's Patrick Davis. Have a great rest of your evening. Be safe. Take care of each other. Keep your underwear clean. And we'll see you tomorrow, right back here on the Sports Complex.